It changes their mindsets on like buy a product, use it, throw it away to buy a product, understand it. Uh, and then at the end of life, you, you could send it back and have an understanding or even be able to see the process of it being ground down and made into something new. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Coming up on today's show, we are talking to the team behind Kibu, the headphones designed for a new generation of responsible consumers. TikTok is also becoming the main source of news for 12 to 15 year olds. And if you don't have professional photos for LinkedIn, don't worry, AI's here. And to chat about all of that is Akish. Hello. Hello. Right, I've had a look on um, <laughs> We Buy Any Car. They've done a survey. Apparently, they've surveyed 5,000 families, though, mm. uh, who are going off on summer holidays because, of course, the schools break up this week. Yeah. Right? And the average family holiday, nine mm. out of 10 Brits have driven to a family destination in the UK or abroad. Average journey consisting of three loo breaks, two bouts of tears, 11 cries of, are we nearly there yet? Apparently. Um, reasons to avoid family holidays, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in the car. Ed Sheeran, the most popular music artist with families to play in the car to pass mm. time, followed by Adele and Coldplay. Hot take on that? Yeah, I thought it'd be something a bit more, actually. A bit yeah. more? A bit more ch- child for, for children? I don't know. Like... Ed Sheeran feels, I suppose, <coughs> middle of the road. Mm. Adele, quite a depressing family holiday start, isn't it? Yeah, so imagine driving to like a you know four or five hours on a motorway, and then you listen to some love ballads, like you know. <laughs> I mean, what's what's that going to be doing? You know, you're just going to have your missus thinking about all the times that you didn't love her, and you know you got the kids to worry about and your missus or partner. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it's questionable choice. Yeah, yeah. In order to get some peace and quiet, eighty-five percent of parents polled their children to let them play on iPads or tablets during long car journeys with half of parents admitting that they don't set time limits um, for children playing on their devices. So basically any kind of responsibility or responsible parenting where it, ha- where it kind of it goes to kind of being on a device goes out the window just to shut the kids up. Mm. It's fairly damning, isn't it? Um, look, you might be like, what on earth are the guys going on about? But the reason we're talking about this is because we are talking about Kibu. Tenuous link here. They are headphones designed for children... We're talking to Marama and Batchworks. They've teamed up to create Kibu, and they are children's headphones that can be easily assembled, repaired, and recycled. Don't worry, they're not talking about the rubbish that we're just talking about there with regards to time spent in holidays, but it seemed an appropriate time to introduce their product. And this is all about circular economy and sustainability. So we'll hand over to the interview, and we'll come back afterwards. So this morning, I'm talking to Joe uh, from Marama and uh, Milo from Batchworks. How are you both? Good, thanks. Yeah, really well. Joining us both from Hackney, because you're in the same... Are you in the same building day? It's a Friday. One of you might be from home. I'm at home. Ah, there we go. <laughs> well, apparently we all we all d- refuse to work Mondays and Fridays now, so thank you for taking the time to uh, join me this morning. And specifically to talk about Kibu. Um, I'm not sure who best wants to take the lead on this, but, but what are Kibu? Kibu is a pair of um, headphones which are aimed towards children. It's the first collaboration between Batchworks and Marama. Uh, Marama being an industrial design agency and Batchworks being a manufacturing company. 
Um, for us, this is a really exciting project because um, it's a step towards showing the world how we can manufacture consumer products in a, in a far more sustainable and thoughtful way. Okay, so it's a dumb question, but also one that I suppose is relevant. Um, I, I have a phone I recently upgraded, although I did upgrade to a new handset that I think is possibly slightly kinder because it's um, not the latest spec and I hope it lasts me a little bit longer. But what what is wrong with the current way in which consumer electronics are manufactured? Most of the time, the issue is traceability. So there's so many components within a phone that, and with, with within most consumer electronics, that it's it's very very difficult to 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 know where everything came from. It, they're coming from different places all over the world, and you know even obviously from a consumer perspective, you've got no idea. And I can ask you, do you know where the glass on the front of that screen came from, or even you know where any of those parts may have been manufactured? Um, so the that kind of traceability and transparency is what's missing. Uh, starting with with Kibu, we, we are starting with something simple. Um, there is limited amount of tech uh, kind of electronics in a pair of headphones, especially ones that are for kids. They don't need to be wireless. Uh, but by starting simple, we can build um, a very clear and transparent uh, supply chain that uh, allows us to do the best we can uh, in, in, in firstly producing that, but also in uh, enabling a, someone who then goes ahead and buys those to, to, at the end of life, return them. And for us to be able to then feed every bit of that material back into the to the supply chain. Just picking up on, on Joe's point then, we will talk about where the glass comes from, but I, I think why that's an issue and, and some of the some of the related kind of questions that might jump off that. But how did you two actually start to work together in the first place? Um, so well, we're, we're actually based right next door to each other in the same um, studio in Hackney in East London. Um, we've, we've been aware of each other's work for uh, since we both moved in maybe two and a half years ago. Um, and we've almost just been waiting for, the, for a good opportunity for us to work together. Um, and I think a, a sort of a window came up and we've been discussing and throwing ideas around for a long time. And um, that's sort of where Kibi was born, out of some conversations and some some time to actually work on a sort of self-directed project, which has been really nice because uh, we've been able to be in the driving seat and we haven't had a client telling us what to do. So, so look, it's going to be helpful to get a very quick understanding of what both of your businesses do to see how they kind of mesh together, because it's all very well saying, oh, there was something that we wanted to work together. But without that understanding, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, sure. So um, Batchworks is a manufacturing business, um, which is essentially working with additive manufacture, which is 3D printing, pretty much. Um, we have a sort of manufacturing side, uh, which is already sort of up and running. We have a factory in London and a factory in Amsterdam. The sort of core focus of our business is looking at how we can use this new technology to develop um, a more circular and more distributed approach to the manufacture of products. So we only ever use 100% recycled material. Um, we uh, and we always offer some sort of take back or return scheme with everything that we make. Um, and sort of we're really interested in looking at how moving forward uh, manufacturers can take responsibility for the objects that they make, uh, which. I suppose it's an exciting opportunity for a design studio to be paired up with. So that's how we uh, started working with, with Joe. So maybe Joe can jump in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Milo. So Morama's uh, an industrial design 
studio. We, we, we work on end-to-end uh, design, engineering, and all the way through to, to manufacture of mostly consumer goods, although we, we do a little bit of B2B. And it's all always, at the moment, kind of historically at least, has been typically for startups and indie brands. So it's finding kind of innovative ideas uh, in, a, in a kind of busy market to, to, do, to do something better and to make a difference. And always, obviously, through the lens of, of reducing the impact of that production, improving the lifespan of those products and considering what happens at the end of life. So being able to work with uh, batchworks who are quite literally kind of making something from recycled plastic, making sure that they will take it back, being able to kind of grind that down, put it back into the production of new product. Like it, it, that completely circular process is exactly what we want to be able to bring more of into into the work with clients so obviously this project doesn't have a client but it's like a it's a really exciting opportunity to just show the world what can be achieved and and hopefully then encourage other brands to basically kind of adopt that same method so coming back to your initial point about traceability uh and then i suppose turning this to milo given your comments around placing onus on the manufacturer why isn't why why can't this be standard practice? Why why don't we know where the glass comes from? Why you know what is it at the minute in the current production of of, of consumer products that means that you're having to try to 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 blaze a path for people to follow? Sure. So traditionally, the model which we all sort of subscribe to for manufacturing objects is a is a sort of is a centralized model where um, you know a huge number of mass produced goods will all be made in one location. Um, you know, maybe you'll make a stock of a hundred thousand units, and then they they will be shipped from that single location to their their sort of separate markets globally. So um, as soon as you ship, I don't know, a hundred thousand products into ten locations. Um, it's very easy to lose track of those objects, particularly if it's halfway around the world and they end up in a warehouse for two, five, ten years before they even get into the hands of a consumer. Um, to actually sort of track that material or those products is, is almost impossible and also not something which is really um, rewarded as, as a manufacturer. Whereas, and, and that's usually due to traditional manufacturing process and traditional manufacturing methods. Whereas um, what digital manufacturing, um, in our case, additive or 3D printing allows us to do is approach manufacturing in a new way from a a distributed standpoint. So if we can um, set up manufacturing hubs close to our market and products only ever have to be produced when they're ordered, you can actually cater for a much more local audience. And and when you cater for a more local audience, it's of course much easier to keep track of those objects and get them sent back to you. So that's the the model that Batchworks is really moving towards. And and our vision as a company is is to sort of develop this network of uh, of factory hubs. At the moment, we have a manufacturing hub in London and one in Amsterdam, uh, uh, where we're catering for the UK market in London and the EU market in Amsterdam. Um, but we are in parallel to our production um, efforts. We, we also have a, a growing R&D uh, team where we're developing our own manufacturing technology, which is purely focused on, on this networked manufacturing model, uh, which we should be rolling out uh, in, as a sort of beta testing 2024. And the the offspring of your collaboration, the initial kind of prototype is, is Kibu. These these headphones, they're aimed at children. Um, they are uh, designed to be assembled and customizable. 
customizable that's a word yeah uh by yeah. children <laughs> why 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 headphones for kids so the we wanted to do something that was kind of tech basically um headphones is a very sort of entry level uh it's like our final first step into this into this market but the thing about obviously products for kids is that they are outgrown quickly they maybe um get damaged or need repairing there's there's a a sort of incentive to perhaps have like a customizing customizable option where kids can kind of you know if you've got a couple of different kids and they like different things you want to be able to or you want to know whose is whose kids can kind of get involved in that process of picking the colors uh and and making it their own which is exciting and and but more than that deeper than that for, for us it's it's about if we can if we can get kids on board with the fact that products can be put together taken apart repaired there's an understanding of the different components you know these aren't kids products that necessarily get this you know the intention here isn't to send these headphones fully assembled where they're just like a kind of black box closed up you know no idea what's happening on the inside this is something that kids will put together themselves they'll understand what 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 goes into a pair of headphones and therefore if something breaks or if they want to send something back and get a different colored headband or a new size you know, it's something that they can do and it changes their mindsets on like you from buy a product use it throw it away to buy a product understand it grow with it it grows with you uh, and then at the end of life you you could send it back and and have an understanding or even be able to see the process of it being ground down and made into something new and so that's i think being able to tap into that kids market um early it it allows us to educate consumers which is really exciting it's fascinating and commendable i suppose the question i'd have is that for milo for your for your kind of um for the way that you've described it to work it sounds quite small scale and i would imagine that once you hit kind of mass market and scalability perhaps that runs into problems where you're talking about local hubs and geographies and knowing where materials come from and yet joe you're talking about education and the market and that's kind of you want the mass market big impact and reaching lots of people which would appear to be in slight contradiction with where you're at right now how do you how do you manage that slight tension between the two yeah sure i mean i think that it's it's it first of all it it's far more scalable and far more quickly scalable than you can actually imagine so um as opposed to uh, maybe a traditional production line where if you wanted to jump the number of units you could produce a month you'd have to sort of set up a, a really uh, complex system for for what we do it's actually just a case of adding more units uh, to a factory so with our existing uh, production capacity we can uh, quite easily create runs of up to 10,000 units um, I imagine with our sort of uh, first run of Kibu products that that will be more than enough um, and then the aim is that we will be growing as the products grow so as demand increases we're able to really easily scale our manufacturing capabilities there's also you know um, a piece to do with communication where we're really um, open about the fact that 
we're growing and uh, together with with Marama, we're, we're really wanting to sort of uh, have that sort of communication education piece with these objects to, so, to show the wins that we have and the wins that we have in the bag and highlight ones that are still to come. So, you know, there's a, a big part of the uh, project um, is, is the electronics components themselves. Um, we are going to be working with a, uh, a UK-based um, PCB manufacturer called uh, Soluboard, who have got a patent on uh, soluble circuit boards, essentially, which allows you then to um, recover the componentry off the boards themselves. So we're really going down into that sort of uh, electronics level with with the, the the sort of sourcing of the bits and pieces. But of course, the actual components on the boards themselves, for the time being are going to be sourced from a mass manufacturer in the Far East. And we're going to be very honest about that until two, five, ten years where we've, a, we've been able to come up with an alternative. So I think it's, it's really a mix between leveraging the technology which exists and being honest about it um, as we move forward. Yeah. And, um, and we're not talking about people having to come into the building and therefore only servicing the people in Hackney and in the same way as when you buy something from Amazon it can be shipped to you next day I mean we're talking about servicing kind of with through the Amsterdam hub you know we can reach out to countries across Europe with the with the um, the London-based manufacturing facility we can we can reach out to customers across the UK we can be mass market within those two areas. And that's a huge, huge number of kids, a huge number of customers. But as you, as you say, you know, we, we then can grow this and that's what's exciting. How affordable is this? Um, I'm hoping it's affordable, but I, I don't know. Is, is, is it um, to, to produce a model, to, to produce consumer electronics on this kind of model, does it come with kind of a premium price because of some of the practices? There's, it's quite interesting because in some ways, you'd imagine it was it is going to be more pricey. Additive manufacture typically is more expensive than than high volume induction molding. But the the work that um, Milo and, and and the batch team have done to create a really incredible uh, additive manufacturing method that is very fast is part of this process. So like we're not talking about the the um the you know the really fine detailed injection molding where you um, sorry 3d printing where it has the fidelity of injection molding this will look 3d printed but that's part of the aesthetic that's part of the the uh the the charm i, I guess of, of this product aside from that it's not coming assembled you know the kids are putting it together themselves so that we're removing the cost of assembly uh, which you might say is uh, clever, um, but uh, it, it's part of that experience. So, there, but there is a price tag, of course there is, and there's going to be two different methods, uh, models, purchasing models. So there's one where it will be a kind of upfront fee. We haven't absolutely locked in the price, but we're looking at a kind of around the forty nine ninety nine mark. Uh, and then the other option is actually a rental scheme. So it's similar to um, on running they've just released a, a shoe called cloud neo um that you don't buy the shoe you rent you basically have a subscription um, and you get the shoes um you run you run in them and then every kind of six to 12 months you send the shoes back they're mono material they're ground down and made into new shoes and you get a fresh pair it's a similar a similar thing so basically you could um uh, 
subscribe essentially to these headphones and get a pair and then as your child grows you can send them back get and get in size up so it'll be a slightly different model and we're, we're exploring kind of both directions and what, what's the aim here we, we talked about education of consumers absolutely get that um milo your hub approach might be quite different to the way that large manufacturers at the minute put together their products i don't know whether it's possible for them to adopt this wholesale i guess not maybe it's to start making new products in in a similar fashion is it to do that though or are you you know do, do you want to change the way that they that they work it, from from what you said at the beginning of the interview it would sound like that's the case or is it to try and encourage others to follow a new path that that are coming and, and challenging some of those established manufacturers um i would say i mean our core our core mission is 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 impact basically that's um that's what we're interested in and if if it means um, batchworks batchworks growing and creating an impact through the the products that that we bring to the market and actually becoming a realistic alternative for design studios and product development teams to a traditional model for us that that's great because i think that's something that um that we're seeing and Often we're able to um, to show the benefits of the way in which we're making things without even talking about sustainability, which um, is, of course, really important when you're trying to uh, talk with a product development team, which who have been used to manufacturing uh, components in the Far East uh, for X amount of years. You know, money is what talks um, and also things like speed to market. Um, that's one of the sort of key drivers uh, of why people are starting to choose uh, batchworks for for um, for products essentially. So uh, an example is we're we're working with a UK uh, furniture manufacturer um, at the moment, and uh, they were designing uh, essentially a really small um, clip that normally they would have to pay for the tooling of that clip, maybe 10, 20,000 pounds for an injection molding tool. Um, then they'd have to wait to to, to actually um, get their prototype sent back from the Far East. We were able to, within a week, um, take their, their model, turn it into something that we could 3D print and offer them a similar price. And they were able to literally get it into market the following week. So within two weeks, they were able to actually start putting these uh, newly uh, manufactured UK sustainable clips onto their products that traditionally would have been manufactured uh, and sent thousands of miles. So I think offering speed to market as well as um, really clever design choices, which allow us to print things in a competitive way, um, is really what's what's helping us move forward and hopefully us show that this is a better way to do things. With Kibu, obviously, we can take all of those benefits and put them into this joint business. The goal is to showcase what that it can be done, that it can be achieved, and a, 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 a financially sustainable business can be created off the back of this. And you know the benefits of it, this fast-paced um, l- way of manufacturing is kind of twofold. Firstly, we can get things to market quickly. We can test things out quickly. But secondly, we can... Um, uh, we can do it in a really small scale to start with. So if you start making a new product, typically you're going to have to order, well, as you say, there's a time frame of around 12 months. You're going to have to order tens of thousands of units. And if it fails, what happens to those tens of thousands of units? Nobody wants them, so they end up in landfill. We can make a 100 of something and test the market, get it out there, do limited runs. We can work with brands and do you know very bespoke 
colorways or, or designs for them. And, and so there's lots and lots of opportunity. It's just about us being able to use this brand, this new um, product range as, as a kind of case study for that. And, and to we want this to be a business that is sustainable, obviously, and in, in all kind of embodiments of that word. Well, look, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and the, the headphones sound brilliant on on a lot of fronts. If someone is listening and thinks, yeah, you know what, I want to support that and I want to buy into that in much the same way that runners might look at what Honor doing with with um, with with shoes and, and think that, that that is a kind of a way that they can help support the planet a little bit. How would someone find out about Kibu? Because I'm, assu- I'm assuming we wouldn't say go to Amazon <laughs> necessarily. Um, it's on the Batchworks website, right? But is, is, is that the best way to find out? Yeah, so I think for now, um, as the, as the project develops, the best way would be to uh, sign up to the uh, uh, to the email uh, list, which you can find at batch.works forward slash kibu. Um, but I mean, if you just Google kibu, uh, it's already uh, the, the collaboration is already starting to get a lot of press, and you can find links uh, links in there. I think. Yeah. If someone does, if someone does do that, get past the kibu on Steam and um the bit that's a misspelling of a japanese bar kitchen it is on there just a couple of results down so <laughs> yeah k-i-b-u yeah worth 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 uh, yeah, that's definitely worth uh, mentioning to people look thank you both for your time uh we're recording on a friday so enjoy your weekend brilliant thank you very much thanks so much just out of interest akisha i mean if you were you don't have kids neither do i so this is this oh. is kind of you know I can see the attraction of giving someone a, f- a phone or a tablet on a long journey and a pair of headphones um, so that you can concentrate on the driving. Yeah, it's it's probably the easiest option in it, really. Like, Because I think driving and parenting, or let's say you have two of you, one is driving, obviously, because only one person can drive. The other parent is trying to parent that can also be equally as distracting i'd imagine like yeah. you know and <sighs> i'm trying to put myself in that situation I, yeah i'd i'd either do that or just hope that they kind of fall asleep or something yeah. like you know it's yeah i've got two nephews who i love dearly but um whenever they go on a long car journey it is always how the kids fed yeah that's that's the barometer for whether or not it was a, a successful um trip Mm, yeah it is very tough and i think something that well i definitely take for granted at the moment because yeah i can just get in a car and and go and yeah off you go Uh, look so so milo uh joe thank you very much for coming on and talking about kibu obviously amazing that it's sustainable as well and some of those practices there hopefully some some insight for other companies in terms of how they can incorporate sustainability into their businesses something else that i wanted to talk to you and and this is a little bit um related because if you're giving a device to a to a child in the back of the car and hoping that they keep quiet, did you know that TikTok now is apparently the most popular news source for 12 to 15 year olds? I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah. It's, Actually, it's a, bit, a bit concerning. It is. Yeah, I'm ten, I'll, I'll be honest. I actually had this conversation with someone who's of my age or just a little bit younger yesterday, and they said that they were talking about what I was doing in the evening or something because they rang me and I said, oh, I'm just watching the news. It was you know, quarter past 10 or something last night. And they went, the news? You watch the news? Like, how old are you? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what's, what's that got to do with it? I was like, well, I'm watching the news. Like, chill out. And 
And then she's literally gone like, oh no, that's that's just depressing. She's like, if I need the news, I just turn to TikTok. And I'm like, no, no. But I, I get it because, you know, after kind of arguing this point, the accounts that she sees the information on are your BBC News and, you know, kind sure. of those and, sorts and of I, sources. I, I, I get, get it, that. yeah? Yeah, you, you can... You it's in a consumable it TikTok, but it source. is still yeah. where you follow your news from. So I suppose the argument could be, yeah, but you could you could choose to look on any news website or whatever else. Exactly. But I think the concerning aspect for me, obviously, is that the algorithm yeah. behind TikTok will choose what what you're curated to see. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it cares more about captivating you and keeping you on the platform mm. than serving up stuff that's balanced and fair. Yeah. So it's probably going to push more sensationalized, quirky, at the extreme style stories into yeah. your feed. Correct. So you go, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And that's when you just, it's just clickbait effectively. Yeah. And that's yeah, not correct. a balanced diet of, of, of information for, for someone, especially at 12 to 15 when, let's face it, fairly formative in your opinions and how you see the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think when when you're when you are at that age, I, I also think just from a just from a learning perspective, you know, and and vocabulary and you know, kind of seeing how people you know kind of talk, present themselves. Mm. I mean, if you're like if you just see a fifteen, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't have TikTok, but how long are the videos? Fifteen seconds, thirty seconds, whatever. Like yeah. if you're just seeing that in the same format, like in the same kind of vibe, it, it's you know that's the that's the way it is. Like, yeah. and also it, it's slowly started to drift in because now what's happening is, like, a lot of people are just associating things with TikTok when it's like, no, 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 this was actually a song. Like, you know, there's a song at the moment, quite a famous one, um, from Peggy Goo. And everyone is just saying, oh, yeah, that's that song from TikTok. But actually, it's a remake from a song in the early 2000s where me and you were out raving and, you know, kind of, you know, like... Well, it, raving. It, well, <laughs> out, you know, socialising, socialising. I don't know um, it's called enough to rave. But no. Okay. Um, but, like, but, like, things like that, people are just saying, oh, this is from TikTok, oh, this yeah, is from yeah. TikTok. And, and it's, it's, it's slowly what you can see is, is just... You know, kind of painting over I, a lot I of don't society. Quite understand, just as an aside, I don't quite understand why lots of Gen Z have suddenly decided that the early noughties is a great generation to try and revive in terms mm. of fashion and music. Because I lived through it, and I can I can tell you firsthand it was fairly shit. <laughs> Certainly the fashion. Yeah, I, I mean, I went too far behind you, but um, but yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> uh, look, Not on the point ideal. that you kind of make there as well, though, like in terms of the content that you're being served, it's almost like. What is that doing in terms of where you say, you know, vocabulary and so on? It always used to be the thing that was leveled at the sun was that it would lower your reading age. Mm. If you read the sun, your reading mm. age regressed. Like 12 to 15, really important in education. If this is all that people are being served up, what is it doing to their their overall communication, their overall mm. understanding? Like, I, I worry. I, I, read a, um, I read a stat the other day. Um, and it was it was basically that that uh, fifteen to eighteen year olds now are reading a lot less than they were ten years that. ago. Yeah, and 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 what and what they're basically saying is that is now having a knock on effect 
when it comes to so when we have the wider argument about universities and yeah. stem degrees and things like that but if people at schools and and you know kind of educational kind of um centers are not being fed that information in the right way it literally it just kind of you know it, it just does not set them up for the future you know yeah. um i mean look this is going to turn into a well, yeah back i mean in yeah. my day yeah back yeah 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 I'm, <laughs> when I'm, i was like 12 I'm, and 13 i'm conscious right? of that yeah my mom and dad used to abandon me no they they would take us on family holiday to south france uh, in the middle of the countryside and they'd get on with their shit and i was just left to fend for myself so my favorite activities were playing with a tennis ball and rack it up against the wall for hours and hours and hours or reading because Ooh. obviously mobile phones didn't really it? exist yeah, and yeah. certainly the ones that, that we early early adopters had when i was like 16 17 they had like 10 text messages never mind the fucking internet Correct. Um, and, and so and what i did was i read yeah. i read like harry potter because it would be oh. the thing like I, I would need the new a new a few new books to take on holiday with me because there was fuck all else to do mm, absolutely absolutely <laughs> same here uh, half terms used to be you know Ikish, you're going to be reading these two books and and at the end of half term you have to tell me what happened in the story it was like a book club just me and my mum a bit weird but you know um, in a way yeah, yeah. Anyway, right now yeah. you don't have tiktok last thing to talk about you don't have tiktok i i do have tiktok mm. and last night i went on tiktok uh and apparently there is a viral trend right um <laughs> for those people who don't have professional linkedin photo like photos uh, yeah. you can now get an ai app that creates right. professional headshot style linkedin style photos for you. you you upload eight photos of yourself yeah and it generates uh an ai photo for you oh um, i tried it i yeah. tried it it yeah. looked a little bit like my evil twin brother from like a days of our lives style-esque show uh <laughs> i'll show you on the screen right now that does not look anything like you, Dave. Oh, well, it does. It looks. It looks wow. kind of like me, but also, also a bit creepy. You're not quite right. No, just something not right. No. The nose is wrong. Well, we're gonna to have to share it on our feeds because people can't see. Um, you, you, you once had a LinkedIn photo. I'm just on your LinkedIn actually. You once had a LinkedIn photo that I took. Um, yes, it did. Yes, it's yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, on the roof. So, I would far rather that. I, I would far rather yeah. the real me with it with my flaws. But um, mm. yeah, it, Remini was the app, and you could do a free trial for seven days. I mean, oh, is that do... is that not the kid thing as well? Isn't it like is if it? you if you, yeah, I've I heard about this. Um, yeah. Uh, you basically put pictures of yourself, and then it 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 kind of shows you what your child will look like. Okay, which is which is far more like difficult to predict. Predict if it's right or wrong. Whereas if it's yeah. creating professional like photos for LinkedIn of yourself, you can look at it and go well, like that doesn't really look quite right. Mm, or it does. Yeah. But yeah, apparently it's a viral it's a viral thing. Um, Sam, our, our silent partner on the, on the podcast who runs all of our socials, I think is going to have a go as well because he doesn't have any professional photos. He's going to upload some selfies of himself and see what it generates. Uh, I'll post mine. Um, in case you've already got some lovely professional photos. I, don't, I, don't I mean, I've, it, but... yeah, I mean, I've got one. I'm, I'm holding on to mine from LinkedIn because I'm about three stones of lighter in it. So <laughs> that is not changing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Andy, our MD, for years had a photo from about 15 years ago. 
He did, yeah, yeah. R- r- rumor has it he's he's looking that young again, you know. But... Catfishing in the business world. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I think that'll do for today. Uh, Akish, thank you for your time. Lovely, cheers. Oh.